good morning, church. How are we doing? If you will turn in the book of John, chapter 15. John, chapter 15. We're going to continue our series called I Am Jesus. We're looking at four of the seven I Am statements that Jesus talked about in the book of John. And this morning, we're going to look at the statement, I am the vine. Jesus says, I am the vine. Now, how many are familiar with vine videos? Anybody familiar with vine videos? Okay. Well, this has nothing to do with Vine videos, but I thought just in case some of you came in like kind of a cranky mood today, I'd throw, I'd throw up some like funny Vine videos for you, okay? You guys want to see some funny Vine videos? Yeah. All right, here we go. Let's do it. This has nothing to do with Vine. Who in this door? Who in this door? What a beautiful day it is today. This is my favorite. with a laughing baby. You know what I'm saying? One of my favorite sounds in the world. So anyway, I hope you're in a better mood now. Is everybody in a good mood this morning? You're, you're in a mood to hear God's word this morning? Well, let's turn to John chapter 15. We're going to look at verse 5. And we'll see, we're going to see this next statement. I am the vine. So let's look at verse 5. Jesus said this, I am the what, church? Vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. And what we're going to learn this morning is this is one of the most important I am statements that Jesus says in this series. And when you look at this phrase, and we're going to take a better look at it as we go through the message, but when you look at this phrase, we've got to begin with the context this morning. The context in which this was said. If you look at John chapter 13, you don't need to turn there, but John chapter 13, what we see is the Last Supper. This is the last chance for Jesus to get with his disciples and talk with him the last dinner before his crucifixion. And then, and then if you look at John chapter 18, we see he's arrested and then go, goes to the cross. So in the middle there is John chapter 15, where we are today. And the context of this is basically a dinner conversation. This is Jesus talking with his disciples for the very last time, sitting down to, for, with din, for dinner with them for the very last time. Let me ask you a question this morning. If you were going to sit down with your loved ones, your family and friends for a last dinner. Last time you're ever going to talk to them at dinner. I think we'd put a little thought into that, wouldn't we? For, for us, I would probably make sure we have to put our iPhones down. I think that's a big problem in our house. We've got the iPhones and the iPads at the kid dinner table, and that's kind of a no-no with my wife. Get in trouble with that, with my wife for that every once in a while. But I think we would focus on some very important things in this dinner conversation. I think... Uh, I would look at my kids and give them wisdom, give them sound wisdom and advice. This is my last chance with them. Maybe I turn to my wife and talk to her about the life insurance policy a little bit, you know? Or like, hey, the gold is buried in the prairie dog hole next to the house. You need to look for that. So this is the context in which Jesus is talking to his disciples for the very last time, the last supper, last dinner, last conversation. And he says this, I am the vine. I am the vine. We're going to look at that statement today in depth. So to illustrate that, I'm going to put up a picture of a vine. This is a fruit vine, beautiful fruit vine. And Jesus gives us basically two pictures. I love teaching from the Gospels because Jesus gives us these illustrations. They're built in. But we have the fruit vine here. It's just beautiful. And what Jesus is saying is when you're connected to me, this is what it's like. This is what it's like. But apart from me, you can do nothing. So apart from me, you're like this branch. You're a branch. He's the vine we're the branches. And so he makes it very simple. He says, you basically have two choices here. 
Okay, you can be connected with me and look like this. Or you can be not connected with me and look like that. Option A, option B. Pretty simple. This is wonderful, not so great. And, and if you look at verse 1 in your Bible real quick, you'll see something even more specific. Jesus says, I am the what? Can you say it? The true vine. He says, I am the true vine. And this, what this implies is there's some false vines out there that we can be connected to. So if you look at this glass of water, we'll say this is a false vine, okay? And a lot of times we connect to false vines instead of the true vine. So we, we put our branch in the water here, and it's a false vine. And I'm not a, a botanist or an expert in this, but... I'm assuming this is not going to do much good for this branch today, okay? But we connect ourselves to false vines. You know, maybe it's money. We connect ourselves to money or status. Or maybe if we just get that promotion. Or man, if I just had the iPhone 6, because the iPhone 5S is just so 2014, you know, I got to get connected. And these are false vines that we connect ourselves to. And Jesus is saying, apart from me, this is what you look like. I am the true vine. And a lot of times we get, get messed up with false vines. And when we connect to false vines, what happens is we give the false appearance to ourselves that everything's okay on the inside because everything's okay on the outside. So this morning, we want to talk about this statement, I am the vine. And what we're going to do is answer a couple questions. We're going to look at two questions. The first question is this, why, why is being connected to the true vine important? Why is it important to be connected to the true vine? So let's answer that question. Let's look at verse 5 through 8 this morning. 5 through 8. It says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them, throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you by this. My Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. So why is being connected to the true vine important? Well, the first thing is this. Being connected produces much fruit. That's what Jesus says. You're going to produce much fruit. Okay, well, what kind of fruit are we going to produce when we're connected to the true vine? Well, I've heard some people expound on this passage, and they go goes straight to Galatians 5. And they say, well, it's the fruit of the Spirit. My only problem with that is the word bear. If you look at verse 5 this morning, you'll see that word, you will bear much fruit. And what that means is you will produce much fruit. That's what that means. And so when you look at Galatians 5 and the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, all those wonderful things, those come from the Spirit. We can't produce those kind of things. It's only the Spirit that can produce those things. So what kind of fruit is Jesus talking about here? He says, I am the vine, you're the branches. If you're with me, you will produce much fruit. What kind of fruit, fruit is that? Well, if we look at verse 16, I think we've got our answer. Verse 16, he says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go, not sit around, but go and bear fruit and that your fruit should, what's the next word? Nice and loud. Remain. I think that word remain is the key for us this morning, answer the question, what kind of fruit are we supposed to produce? And Jesus said, a fruit that remains. What's a fruit that remains? It's a fruit that keeps on going. What kind of fruit can we produce that, that just keeps on going? Well, we look at the fruit that multiplies itself. We look at the fruit that reproduces itself. 
It's connected to that vine. And what we're talking about, what Jesus is talking about, is discipleship. Discipleship. That's what I want to talk about mainly this morning. And that's what Jesus is talking about in this passage, discipleship. And in case you didn't know, man, Orchard Church is rooted figuratively and literally in discipleship. That word orchard, that's what that's all about, being a reproducible fruit that remains. Here we are 10 years, almost 10 years after the church has been planted and we still have that focus. Reach, relate, reproduce. That's our discipleship process. And Jesus is saying, hey, this is what I want you to do. If you're connected with me, you will produce much fruit. And what he's talking about is discipleship. We're in an exciting time as Orchard Church because, you know, we just talked about our building last Sunday night uh, and we gave the update on that. And we, we've celebrated what, what God has done the last 10 years and how we're completing this mission of, of bearing much fruit. But now we're asking ourselves the question, we got to think a little bigger than that outside of ourselves and say, what is our vision for Orchard Church moving forward? What's the next 10 years look like? And as a leadership team, we came together and we came up with this phrase and we'll put it on the screen. It's multiplying disciple-making churches. That's our vision as we move forward, multiplying disciple-making churches. And what we're saying in that little phrase right there that packs a big punch is this, it doesn't end with us. We're not building a building so we can build a bigger kingdom on 120th. That's not our goal, never has been. Our goal is to multiply disciple-making churches, to plant churches that will bear much fruit, and they will make disciples that will bear much fruit. Because it doesn't end with us, and nor do we want it to. That's not Jesus' plan. But here's the thing, everybody, and this is what we're going to talk about this morning. It doesn't end with us, but guess what? It begins with us. It doesn't end with us, but it begins with us. We need to remember that. Jesus was very specific in Matthew chapter 28. We'll put this on the screen. He said, go therefore and make what? Church, nice and loud. Disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. And everybody said... So when we're connected to the true vine, the, the reason it's important is because when we're connected, we're going to produce much fruit, not just any kind of fruit, but fruit that remains, that goes beyond us, that doesn't end with us. It's discipleship. We're going to produce much fruit. The next thing is this, being connected produces worship. It produces worship. And we're going to look at verse 8. In verse 8, Jesus said, by this. That word this is important. By this, my father is glorified. What's that word glorified mean? That means worshiping the Lord. That means bringing God glory. He said that by this, my father is glorified. That what? That you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. And what we see here this morning is we've seen the what and we've seen the why. The what, Jesus says, you need to go and make disciples. You need to produce much fruit. But here, here we see the why. We have our mission, but now we have our motive. Why do we do this? Because it produces worship. In this, my Father will be glorified. See, that's our motive. Worship and giving God glory and glorifying God starts with our connection to the true vine. That's where it starts. It produces worship. And I think a lot of us in churches, a lot of times, especially in our country, is we have this term that I've come up with called Conditional worship. If you want to just write that down, that'd be good for you to remember. Conditional worship. What that means is we put conditions 
on our worship, okay? So man, if they just played this kind of music, I could really worship the Lord. Oh man, if the temperature was right here, man, my spirit is just elevated. Man, if, if they just played that song every week, oh my goodness, I could just give God glory. I could worship him. Man, if they would just change out the worship leader, I could worship God a, a little more. See, that's not true worship. And, and Jesus in John chapter 4 addressed this. John chapter 4, he talks to the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. He says this, Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. This is in your notes. True worship is rooted in the true vine. True worship is rooted in the true vine. What that means is not about the lights. It's not about the sound system or the levels. It's not about a band, not about a worship leader, not even about a pastor, not about a building, but it's about our connection to the true vine. Everything else is conditional. Everything else is conditional. And we've got to be careful that we don't put conditions on our worship. Several years ago, I went to Africa. And uh, they asked me to, when I first arrived, they said, hey, we want you to come to lead worship at a Bible study. Actually, they told me they just wanted me to play a couple songs at a Bible study. So I get to the Bible study, and there's about 10 to 15 adults there. And uh, I was really tired. I'm just going to be honest with you. I hadn't had sleep in a couple days from flying to Africa. I wasn't feeling what would you call very spiritual, okay, at this moment. And they invite me to this Bible study, and they study the Bible for three hours. I fell short in my spirit there, and I was just kind of sitting there, okay, please ask me to play a song soon, please, please. So we, after three hours, I'm just exhausted they turn to me and they say, we feel like God has brought you to us to lead worship for our Bible study tonight. And at that moment, I realized, oh man, I'm not at the Bible study yet. I'm at a meeting before the Bible study. And they were like, I'm like, okay, well, is it? And they said, it's a youth Bible study. I said, okay, well, how many students are coming? Oh, about 150. I went, oh, wow, okay. They want me to lead worship. This is more than just playing a couple songs. Like, okay, now my uh, type A, like, structured, organized personality is coming out, and I'm going, okay, uh, do they have a sound system? Do they, do they have lyrics to project? I don't know anyone. I don't know what songs they know. And I turned to them, and I said, well, when does this begin? And he said, oh, about five minutes. I went, <laughs> okay. And they led me up to this small, very small room, very unair conditioned room in Africa with 150 students in there. And I didn't know where to begin. <laughs> and uh, all I had, everybody, was my connection to the true vine. That's all I had. I had my connection to God. And I just prayed. I said, God, what do you want me to do? Because I don't know what they know. And I want this to be a wonderful time for them. And I had been uh, meditating on Ephesians uh, chapter 1, verse 18, where it says, enlighten the eyes of my heart, God. And so I thought, okay, well, I'll start with open the eyes of my heart. That's a very worldwide known song. So I started with that. And I just said, God, I'm going to start this song. 
and the rest is up to you. I don't know what I'm going to do after that song. It's up to you. And you know what God showed me? What a concept, Gary. <laughs> what a concept. You don't know what to do, Gary, but I do. And I led 30 minutes of the most intense worship I've ever experienced in my entire life, before or since. Why? Not because I was organized and structured and planned and ready to go, but because I had a connection to the true vine. There was only one condition in that place, and that was my connection to God. And that connection to God, what it does, it not only helps us bear fruit, but it also produces worship. It produces worship in our life. He said, by this, my Father will be glorified. And, and what does he mean by that? How is he going to be glorified? He said, by this, what's this? It's that you bear much fruit. That you bear much fruit. So why is it important to be connected to the true vine? Well, first of all, it's going to produce much fruit. That's discipleship. And it's going to produce worship, discipleship and worship, the what and the why. But here's the next thing. This is really important. Being disconnected produces nothing. Being disconnected produces nothing. Look at verse 5. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He abides in me, and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do what, church? Nothing. Not my words. This is Jesus' words. You can do nothing. He didn't say, hey, without me, you can do some things. You can do this or that. No, no, no. He said, without me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. How many of you would agree we live in a very connected society and generation? Very connected, right? I mean, when you call me, on my cell phone, my iPhone rings, my iPad rings, and my MacBook rings at the same time. I really don't know what to answer anymore. <laughs> We're very connected, okay? And we hate being disconnected, don't we? We hate losing our connection. You know, even in Africa, in the slums of Africa, you know they had a web cafe in the slums of Africa to just so we could check our email, just so we could be connected. How many remember life before the internet? You remember that? And those who don't, yes, there was life before the internet. It's hard to believe. I remember the first time I heard about the internet. Uh, I was in 11th grade. We took a field trip to a computer lab at a college, and the professor came in and said, okay, sit in front of the computer and then type in anything you're interested in, okay? Just right here and just hit, hit, hit enter. And so I'm interested in basketball, so I hit basketball, and all these pictures and these stats came up. And I remember him... It was like a monumental moment. He's like, this is the internet. <laughs> it's crazy when you tell that story, especially the younger folks. There was life before the internet. We hate being disconnected. We hate it. You know, I, I live in a wonderful house, and um, I love the house, but when we first moved in, I realized, man, the cell connection is horrible. It's awful. And it, it, literally, my connection would be great until I pulled around the corner to my house and it would go away just like that. I'm convinced there's some kind of UFO like buried in the ground, maybe next to my house and just kills the signal. So much we hated it because, so we got one of those boosters, you know, in our house so we could just have a cell phone signal because we gotta be connected. Our, our uh, team just, just uh, took a road trip to Oklahoma in a van and we brought a Wi-Fi hotspot just so we could have our computers and do our work 
his God forbid, Doug would not let us go a day without doing any work. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and the worst possible thing, everybody, this is just devastating, is when we don't have a connection to Facebook. Oh my gosh. What are we going to do with our life when we lose that connection? We can't check our Facebook. We hate being disconnected, don't we? But can I ask you a question? Are we as concerned or concerned at all about our connection with the true vine? What happens when we're disconnected from God? Do we, are we as concerned? Is that such an urgent matter in our life? Too often I, I've talked to people in different churches and they, they're down and out. They're unhappy. They've lost their joy and they've lost their connection. And they look at me and they go, man, where is God at? Where's God at in this situation? And what they do is they blame God for the problems in their life. But the problem is not God. It's the disconnect. Because Jesus said when we're disconnected from the true vine, we produce what? Nothing. All of a sudden the joy goes. The production goes down the tubes and we go, where are you at, God? And God is going, I have never moved. I've been here the whole time for you. You're disconnected. You've disconnected. You put your, you put your branch in false vines in your life and you're missing me. You're missing, missing that connection. And, and people go, man, where is God? Does God even care about me? And Jesus said, if you look at verse six and seven, he really nails us here. If anyone, anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and they, and they take this branch. And what they do with this branch that's disconnected, they throw it, right? They throw them into the fire and they are burned. And this isn't like the, the hell fire. This isn't meaning we're going to lose our salvation. This simply means, hey, you're, you're cast away. You're not producing anything. Therefore, you're worthless right now. You're not producing anything because you're disconnected from me. And he says in verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Why is it important to be connected to the true vine? Because it produces much fruit. It produces worship in our life. And when we're disconnected, it produces nothing. Absolutely nothing. So that's question number one. Question number two is this we want to answer this morning. Is how do we keep our connection to the true vine? Okay, we know it's important to be connected. But how do we keep that connection? How do we keep that connection active? And the first thing is this. We've got to keep his commandments. We've got to keep his commandments. Let's look at verse 9 through 11. Verse 9 to 11, Jesus says, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my what, church? Commandments. You will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Like I said, so often Christians, we look up to the heavens and we say, Where are you, God? I don't have any joy. Where are you, God? But Jesus is saying, hey, if you abide in me, remain in me, stay connected to me, keep that connection, guess what? Your joy will be full. Your joy will be full. I heard a pastor say this a long time ago, and I think it's really good. There's nothing wrong with God's word. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with his instructions, nothing wrong with his, his, his plan. It's our implementation of it, or lack thereof. We've got to keep to God's word. And this is in your notes. 
When we keep to God's word, we'll see that God always keeps his word. When we keep to God's word, we'll, we'll see that God always keeps his word. When we keep his commandments, we'll see that God always keeps his word. I'm going to put this phrase on the screen. I think it's real important. You want to write this down. The phrase is this, try it and apply it. Everybody say it nice and loud. Try it. try it and apply it. Jesus said, hey, abide in me, remain in me. And guess what? Your joy will be full. Stay connected to me. Keep your connection to me. Keep my commandments. And guess what? Your joy will be complete. That's his promise. And too often, I think we're too skeptical of God. I know people that don't believe in the Bible and they've never read the whole thing. And I say to them, try it. Try it and apply it and see what God does in your life. I think too many Christians haven't tried it enough and not applied it enough in their life. You know, we re recently came out of uh, our series called Multiply. And we talked about that sacred territory of money in our life. And uh, we, we did our yearly challenge called 90 Day Tithe Challenge. And we've seen such amazing stories come out of that. And usually we have like 70 to 80 uh, people a year that, that take that challenge. But this year we had over 220 people take the 90 Day Tithe Challenge. I think that's something to celebrate this morning. And what these people have said is, hey, hey we're going to try it and we're going to apply it in our life. We're going to test God. Like Malachi 3 says, you know, we're going to test God and see if he won't bless our life. And some of you have done that and you've seen the blessings. And I would challenge you this morning. Have you kept it? Have you kept his commandments? Have you kept giving? Have you kept tithing and seen God's blessing in your life? It's important to keep his commandments. It's important to keep that connection to the true vine. You know, at the very least, parents... Don't we want to model keeping God's commandments to our kids? Don't we want to do that at the very least, you know, to keep his commandments in our life? You know, we expect our kids to do good, but if we don't do good, we can't expect that. I, I took uh, my daughter. She's seven years old. I took her on a date yesterday. Don't tell her I said it was a date because she didn't want to go on a date. I said, okay, it's not a date. We'll go hang out. We'll go to a go get some lunch and we'll go to a play. And that's what we did. And sitting across from the table from her at lunch, I started to, uh, I decided to bring up the su uh, subject of, you know, hey, you know, there's going to be some boys when you get older <laughs> and they're going to want to, you know, date you and take you on dates. And I said, they're nasty individuals. Do not go anywhere near them. <laughs> and I said, you know, they're gonna, you're going to have boys that don't want to take you on a date, but you need to make sure that they love God. That's really important, Jay. And I was like, it was like preaching to the choir because, man, she rose up and she was like, oh, yeah, definitely. She goes, and they have to believe that Jesus is alive and not dead. Because if they think Jesus is dead, then I will not go out with them. <laughs> and I said, amen, sister. You preach it. I'm on that wagon. And, uh, you know, it's important, you know, for Jade to see me and my wife keep God's commandments in our life because those kind of conversations are going to be victories later on, things that we're going to celebrate. They're going to turn into life stories as she gets older because she's going to learn to keep God's commandments. And when we keep God's commandments and we keep to his word, we're going to keep that connection to the true vine. And we're going to see those wonderful things in our life produce. So keep his commandments. That's how we keep that connection. Keep his commandments. The other thing is this, and this is kind of a tough one. I think this might step on some toes this morning, but we need to keep discipling. Keep discipling. 
And we're going to look at verse 12 through 16. Jesus talks about this in verse 12 through 16. He says this, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. And he says this, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. You know what Jesus is saying there? Is that, hey, he's saying, hey, discipleship is relational. Discipleship is relational. I I, I, you are my friends. You're my friends. He says in verse 15, No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. What a beautiful picture of discipleship that Jesus is showing us here. He's saying, hey, it's relational, but also it's teaching. Saying, hey, you're, you're no longer my servants. I don't call you servants. You're my friends. And I want to pour into you in this last supper, in this last dinner. I want you to know that I'm the vine that you need to be connected to. And I need you to produce much fruit because you're my friends. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you what the Father has shown me. That's a beautiful picture of discipleship. You know, he, and he goes on in verse 16 to talk about that we need to bear much fruit. And what kind of fruit is that? The fruit that remains. We talked about that. The fruit that multiplies itself. The fruit that reproduces itself. The fruit that doesn't end with you. Several years ago, um, uh, I was in another church in Florida, and God was really speaking to me about this topic of discipleship. And it was very much missing from our church and from my life. And... Uh, I decided to call Doug because I've known him for years and years. And one thing I've known about Doug is he's always had a passion for discipleship. And he mentored me in that. He basically discipled me. And when I went on to disciple other men in our church, and they went on to disciple others, and it's a beautiful plan that's perfect that Jesus is laying out for us. It's the fruit that remains. And now here we are at Orchard Church several years later. I'm heading up our discipleship ministry. Wonderful things going on, and it's a fruit. That started with a phone call, and now it's remaining. Now it's reproducing itself over and over again. You may ask, well, what's discipleship look like here at Orchard Church? Well, we have a really cool specific plan with it. You know, you, you get with someone for 9 to 12 months, and that person will teach you and pour into you and will train you on how to disciple someone else. And it's an exciting experience you don't want to miss. And after that, you'll go to a training class. And you'll be trained in basically how to disciple someone else. And you'll be producing much fruit. Not only any kind of fruit, but fruit that remains. And you'll be able to keep God's commandment and also keep discipling. Because that's where that connection comes into play there. And since January here at Orchard Church, we've had already 17 people go through our discipleship training class. I wanted to put their pictures up. I think we should celebrate that and give them a hand. These are... Uh, <clears throat> These are people that said, hey, I want, to, I want to keep God's commandments, and I want to keep discipling. I want, to, I want to bear much fruit. And just like Doug discipled me and I discipled others, he's discipled several men here at our church. One of those is Dr. Fiddler, Chris Fiddler, who is superintendent of 27J, and I love our public school system here. I, I got to say, both my kids are in. I appreciate all the people that are involved with that. Thank you for all you do and the hard work. And uh, anyway, Doug was has discipled him, and he's gone on to disciple someone else. Dr. Fiddler has, and then that person's getting ready to disciple someone else. So I thought it'd be cool to just show you. We sat down with them and, and talked to them about that. I wanted to show you this story this morning. Hey, I'm Paulo. 
and I was discipled by this guy. I'm Chris, and I discipled this guy. Um, so the great part about it is that Chris and I have had a prior relationship even before the discipleship um, program began. Um, so he went through this, the discipleship program um, with Doug, and I knew that he was going through it. And so I, one day, just on a whim, texted him and said, hey, I know you're going through it with Doug, but when you're done, would you mind discipling me? That's exactly how it happened. I had just met with Doug, and we, had, uh, we were getting near the end where, you know, as you know, in the directions book, you're, you're really called to... Uh, to move from the disciple lead to the discipler. And uh, Paula was aware, he sent the text, and it was kind of like this, yeah, this is how this is supposed to go, so. We stayed pretty true to the once a week. Mm -hmm. So 18 weeks, probably tack on another three weeks on yeah, top was... of that, that we might have um, had some trouble scheduling. For sure, 22 weeks, but for, like closer to 20. We, we, we were pretty faithful about me meeting every week, and as Paula said, <laughs> so you get to the last three or three, three or four lessons, and you realize that the, the, the ask is coming, and uh, it scared the heck out of me. Um, you know, and I mentioned, you know, I grew up Catholic, but we did, I just didn't spend a lot of time in the Bible and God's Word, and just didn't know that I was really, I don't know, qualified as I guess probably a poor word, but that's really how I felt in terms of being afraid uh, to, to do it well. Before, I felt like church kind of ended at 1045, you know, as soon as I walk out of the church, I get out of the parking lot, um, and then I'm pretty much done, see you on Sunday. Um, and so, having gone to Orchard, it's one of those things where it's like, I really did want to develop that relationship with Christ. So even though I did have those hesitancies of, am I going to be able to make that time commitment? Am I going to be able to open up to somebody? Um, putting all that together, but for some reason I was kind of, I felt like I was being pushed in that direction. God has, has always spoken to me. Sometimes he yells and screams at me. And you know, my, you know, as you know, part of the discipleship book is he talk, talks about you know, how you get called to God. You know, Doug says to me, hey, I'm just wrapping up uh, discipling Caleb. Uh, and I've been praying about who's, who would be next. And again, I feel like this is a God thing. And, um, and honestly, that scared me. You know, really, really, Doug, you're going to invest that time and energy in me because I want to make sure that, you know, it sounds silly, but I want to make sure I'm worthy of that. Um, and what a blessing for him to invest that time and energy in me, help me begin my walk with Christ. So having that opportunity one-on-one -on -one to build that relationship, not only with uh, a fellow brother, but also with, with Christ, that's just the best way to go. So I, I'm forever in debt to Doug. For you to give up the time, I honestly truly appreciate it. I know that, um, especially at the start of the school year, um, especially when you're looking at uh, what you had to go through um, late October, early November with the whole election stuff, and the fact that you're still able to uh, make time with me. Um, not only make time with me, but every time that we were together, it felt like all of you was there, as opposed to I have to go to this school next and this school next. I have to figure out what's happening with the election. Um, I have to figure out what's, you know, helping my wife out with this or whatever it might be. You just sincerely made um, all that time for me and I truly, truly appreciate that. And um, I think that that's the reason why I'm probably gonna continue by helping disciple somebody is if somebody could give that to me, especially somebody as busy as you and somebody who has all these kids and all this bunch of things going on, um, I have no excuse except to pass it on, pass on the gift that you gave me. So I truly appreciate that. Listen, I want to encourage you to be a part of this. Uh, we have seen some amazing things happen 
in, in our discipleship ministry and just in the past year, it's, it's almost doubled. We have right around 170 total adults in our discipleship ministry. Uh, right now, there is no waiting list. Uh, you, can, you can get paired up with somebody uh, really immediately as long as we, and we try to get, get you with the right person. So if you're, if you're ready for this, and I want to encourage you to be a part of this. All you have to do is take your connection card and just check discipleship on that, okay? You can do that this morning. And then the other thing you can do, we'll put some screenshots up here of our website. Uh, you can go to our website and fill out the discipleship survey. And uh, that will come sh- straight to me. That will get you in our system. And we'll get you paired up with somebody as soon as possible. I want to really encourage you to be a part of this. This is an exciting experience and adventure you'll never forget. And you, you can go on and train someone else and, and go on and disciple someone else and bear much fruit. You know, Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. And with him, we can bear much fruit. So I want to encourage you to be a part of this discipleship process. And, and those of you who are discipling, thank you. Keep it up. Keep it up. Keep bearing fruit for God's kingdom. Maybe some of you uh, are new to the church and maybe you've grown up in church your whole life and you might be ready just to disciple someone. We're open to that. And we'll put up a screenshot of that. That's the discipler survey. You can fill that out on our website and that'll come straight to me. We can get you going on that. Maybe some of you um, used to disciple. I want to encourage you to get back in the game. I want to encourage you to not stand on the sidelines, but get back in the game. James says this, that life is a vapor, a mist. Here today, gone tomorrow. We don't know how much time we have left, but I want to encourage you to get off the sidelines and get in the game of bearing much fruit. Discipleship. Jesus, when you look at him, he had basically three and a half years of ministry. What did he do in those three and a half years? He poured into faithful men. And he, and he bared much fruit into them. And they turned around and reproduced himself and, and discipled others. And they started the New Testament church, which we are now standing in today. Just by investing in some faithful people. And that's still the same call. That's still the same plan. There's nothing wrong with the plan. There's nothing wrong with God's commandments. We just got to implement it into our life. We've got to follow him. I was just reading in Matthew. I just started Matthew yesterday. Jesus went to his, when he first started talking to his disciples, you know, one of the first things he said to his disciples is this, come and follow me. Come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. That's what discipleship is all about. It's not sitting around. It's not waiting. He said there in, he said there in Matthew 28, go, go, therefore, and make Disciples. So I would encourage you to get off the sidelines, get in the game of what Jesus has for your life. He, he, did, he had three and a half years of ministry and he poured into lives of men. Let me ask you something. What if you, what if you knew that you had three and a half years left of your life? What if you knew that? And you want to do something great for God's kingdom. You know what you would do? You would disciple others. You would bear much fruit, fruit that would remain because it It can't end with us. It can't end with us. What would you do? He says here in verse 5, let's revisit it. Jesus said, I am the what, church? I'll give you one more shot. I am the the vine. I'm the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit for without me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. So let me ask you, what are you doing? 
What are you doing? Are you in the game? Or are you on the sidelines? Because Jesus said, without him, we can do nothing. If we're not connected to him, guess what? You can do nothing. Can I ask you something? What are you doing? What are you doing? And before you give me like a real super spiritual answer, maybe some of you have, let me ask you this question. Is what you're doing reproducible? Can you point to someone that you've invested in that is now investing in someone else? Are you bearing much fruit that remains and it doesn't end with you? Who can you point to? Let me challenge you this morning. Church, let's get off the sidelines. Let's get in the game. Let's get connected to the true vine so we can bear much fruit. Life is short. Let's do what Jesus asked us to do. Why? 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 Let's answer that question why before we leave today. Let's look at verse 8. Verse 8 says this. By this, my Father is glorified. What is this? That you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Will you bow your heads with me this morning? Maybe some of you are here today, and uh, this, this message is something you needed to hear. This is Jesus' words that you came and Jesus had for you today. This is your message. It's time for you to get off the sidelines and get into the game. And if you're here this morning, you say, yeah, that's, this has impacted me this morning. I know what I need to do. I'm answering that call. If that's you this morning, will you just raise your hand? Just, sit, just raise your hand. Several, several hands up. Amen. Amen. Let me pray for you this morning. God, we, I pray for these people that have raised their hands, that are excited and ready to get involved with fruit bearing, get involved with disciple making. And I pray, Lord, that you will give them the courage and that you will open doors for them that they can't and that you will give them the courage to walk through those doors. Lord, we've heard your instructions. May we do it. May we do it. We thank you, Lord, for giving us this challenge and this command this morning. With every uh, head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're here this morning, you've never been connected to the true vine. And you know it. You've never been connected to God. And you need him. And you know it. Jesus said, I am the true vine. And you've been connecting to false vines left and right. And you know right now you need Jesus. You need to connect to him. You need to give your life to him. And you need him to come into your life and be your savior this morning. If that's you this morning, will you just raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me. That is totally me this morning. Just raise your hand nice and high. Amen. See that? Amen. See that up there? Well, if that's you this morning, you're ready to accept Jesus into your life. It's not complicated. It's not hard. It's simple. I'm going to say this prayer. If you'll just pray this after me from your heart to God's heart and finally be connected to the true vine, just pray this prayer after me to God. Dear Jesus, I'm ready to be connected to you. I know you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead and that you reign in eternity forever. Jesus, please forgive me of my sins. Come into my life and save me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Heads still bowed and eyes still closed. I just want to pray for us as a church this morning, just all of us. May we as a church answer the call. May we as a church stay connected to the true vine and bear much fruit. I want to pray for all of us this morning. Lord, we thank you for your word, your truth, your challenge, and your command. We, we, we are hearers of your word today, God, but may we be doers. 
May we be doers. And Lord, may it produce much fruit in our life and may it produce worship. And may we be constantly concerned with our connection to you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that you would even want to be connected to us. So we praise you for that this morning. We thank you for your word, your truth, and your promise this morning. And all God's people said, amen. Can we celebrate what God's done in this place? Amen. Well, listen, I, I, I want you to, to check that box. If you're interested in uh, being discipled, please check that box or go online. And we would gladly connect you into our system. Also, before you leave, I need everybody's attention, all right? We, we are having Easter in a couple weeks, okay? Easter. Now, if, like we said before, we're having five services. I don't know if that's sunk in with you yet, but we're having five services. Sat, two on Saturday and then our Sunday morning service. You know what that means? It means we need help. We need help. So we're, we're pleading with you this morning. We need help. I think one of the big areas we need help in is children's ministry. So if you'd like to volunteer for that, all you have to do is check on your connection card, children's. And then also, if you would like to help in any other areas at Easter, okay, maybe uh, you, you'd like to serve on a parking lot team, or maybe you'd like to serve in the guest services and greeting people. Uh, maybe you're not a teacher for children's ministry, but you could be a helper in the class or, or do check-in. Or just help out with teardown and setup. Man, please help us out. So what you can do on your card for Easter specifically, you can just <clears throat> uh, check other and then write Easter. And also check the serving box. That'd be good for us to know as well. And then while we're talking about it, um, you know, how many would, just by amen, you just say amen. Would you, would you say, we think children need to know Jesus? Amen. Well, everyone you said amen, we'll be waiting for you outside to help in children's ministry today. We appreciate your help on that and support. No, seriously, if you can help us out with that, if you will, just, just mark children's ministry on your connection card. Uh, we have an amazing thing going on with our children's ministry right now, but we just need a little more help. We, we've got a lot of growth, and a good problem with that is we need some more help. So if you could help us with that, it could be check-in, it could be tear-down setup. Maybe, you, maybe you'd like to teach, maybe you'd like to help in a classroom. We could really use your help. So if you will, just check that today, and we'll have somebody follow, follow up with you on that. Are you guys ready to stand and worship this morning? We're going to worship in song and with our gifts and offering. Thank you so much for worshiping with us today.